book of 1 John, chapter number 3. 1 John, chapter number 3. I want to challenge you to come back tonight. Or gave me a new message. I've not preached it out hardly at all, but it's really uh, touched my heart. It's touched the two places I've preached it at. I feel like the Lord wants to preach it here. I believe it'll help you. So come back tonight. Uh, the Lord showed me a truth I just never really paid attention to before. There's nothing new under the sun. And... Um, but I believe it'll be a help to you, so I want you to come back out tonight. It is good to have my wife with me. Her name is Leanne. She's sitting right there. And uh, we've got nine children, and I was a missionary for several years, and then the Lord uh, uh, let us uh, pastor a church there in Abingdon, Virginia, for the last 13 years. I thought I would be there the rest of my life, had no plans of leaving. And uh, March of, end of March, April of last year, the Lord said, Your time here is done hardest decision we ever made was to walk away from that ministry could have stayed there the rest of my life but Lord said I've got something else for you I said okay what is it tell me before I step down he said no you step down then I'll tell you and uh, that was a little difficult uh, but we trusted the Lord and uh, God has honored that and I will say more if it's okay pastor at the end of, at the end of the message that way I can jump right in I do want to tell you just about a couple of the resources that we can offer and the pastor was so gracious to let us uh, present what we do on our international side uh, helping national preachers and I'll do that at the end of the the message if I can after the invitation so we don't take any more time than we need to first John chapter number three and again I want to challenge you uh, to come back tonight I told the Lord uh, I'm not necessarily always a theme preacher but just the more I prayed and studied the more I felt like the Lord said to go this direction and so I hope it'll be a help to us and and uh, I know this much uh, we need God and uh, we need to have the love of God amen and uh, I want to look at that this morning for just a little bit first John chapter number three and I do want to say thank you to everyone that came yesterday it encouraged my heart it encouraged your pastor uh, you've got a tremendous pastor. I've loved fellowshipping with him, excited what God's doing here. Uh, thank the Lord for the assistants that are here. I've only been around one. Uh, not too impressive yet, but I'm working on it. But no, I uh, haven't really got to be around the other two. But love Brother Harris. Him and his pre precious wife just uh, did a great job hosting us Friday and uh, spent some time with us. And I'm just excited to see what the Lord is going to do in the church and for you that were here yesterday, I pray that you will take uh, the commitment you made to God and do something with that uh, in the next six days now. Today with uh, seven days yesterday, six days today. I promise you it will change your life if you can ever win someone to Jesus Christ. First John chapter number 3. We're going to read the first three verses this morning and then pray and I'll jump right into the message. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a day that's going to be, amen. And every man that hath this hope, what hope? The hope of seeing Jesus. How do you get that hope? Salvation. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, speaking of Christ, is pure. Father, I love you today, and Lord, I'm honored to be in this pulpit. It's my privilege. Thank you for the hospitality of this pastor. Thank you for the hospitality of Brother Nate, and God, just all the people that we met so far, and just their kindness and friendliness. 
And Lord, I'm here today not just to fill a spot, but Lord, to make a difference in this church. And so put me out of the way and use me in spite of me. May the Spirit of God anoint the message. And may you challenge our hearts on a very familiar subject. Sometimes the hardest things to preach is that which is familiar because we think we've heard it all. I don't know that I'll say anything new or extraordinary today other than the fact that you love us and that's, Lord, an idea I have a hard time comprehending. So I pray you anoint, Lord, this service and anoint me as your servant in spite of me. Touch your people. I pray for those that are lost this morning that the Spirit of God deal with them and that you save them by the grace of God. I love you and I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Notice in verse 1, the Bible said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That word behold means to look intently. It means to gaze. It means to pay close attention to. John said that you and I, as children of God, need to take a look at the love of God. You know, many times when you start talking about the love of God, especially in an independent Baptist church, people say, yep, they're compromiser. All they deal with is the love of God. And there is two sides. There's love and there's law, amen. But can I tell you that as a child of God, the love of God is not a compromising message. It's not a message that frees us to live or do anything we want to do. In fact, the exact opposite. I have found the more you love someone, the more you are going to do for them, not not do for them, amen. The more you love someone, the better you will treat them, not the worse that you will treat them. So uh, the love of God is, and notice he said what manner. That word manner means what type. It means what kind of love. And I was looking at just the beautiful uh, banners that you have on your wall and the renewing of our calling and our character and commitment. And and I thought about that everything that the church wants to do, every vision the pastor has, soul winning and, and everything, all is wrapped around the fact that God loved us. If he didn't love us, we wouldn't be here today. If he didn't love us, we wouldn't be saved. He didn't love us, this church wouldn't be here. So everything we do, the foundation of it has to be the love of God. You know, the Bible's in that manner. He said, what manner of love, what type, what kind? He said, I want you to look at it. I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to grab a hold of it. I want you to gaze intently at the love of God. And, and I got to thinking, the Bible said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 12 that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And through the Word of God, the Bible shows us three types of love. Now, as a means of introduction, you say, Preacher, why, why would you look at the love of God? Well, I'm going to tell you why. First of all, just as a means of introduction, because when we look at the love of God, we very plainly see and understand salvation. It's already been quoted, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That included you. That included me. That includes everybody. And so uh, we need to look at the love of God. If we're going to have a burden for soul winning, at the end of the day, I love what the pastor said yesterday, uh, uh, guilting people into something, they'll do it till they're no longer guilty. But if we ever get a hold of serving God, soul winning, loving people because God loved us, it'll never decrease because God's love never changes. God doesn't just love. The Bible said he is love. 
What he is, he's always been. He can be no less or no more. He can, you understand right now, God can love you no less on your worst day than he loves you on your best day. Because he is love. When you were in sin and wicked, get a hold of this, God loved you no less than he does right now in church this morning. That's an amazing love, amen? I think I understand why God said we need to look at it in salvation. But may I say, I believe we need to look at the love of God because it'll bring sanctification. 1 John 3, 3 in our text, he said uh, in verse number 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. See, the love of God doesn't cause me to live wicked. The love of God doesn't cause me to want to abandon church and abandon my Bible and abandon prayer and abandon living for Him. If I love God the way I'm supposed to, the Bible said, Every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as the one we love is pure. It'll sanctify you. May I say, uh, it'll strengthen you. We ought to look at the love of God because the love of God will strengthen us in 1 John 3 and verse 18. He said, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Aren't you glad this morning that God's love strengthens us on our bad days? I got news for you. You're not always going to be the best Christian you ought to be. You're not, and that's not an excuse. It's just a human nature that we have. But I'm thankful that when my heart says I'm undeserving and unworthy and I feel those regularly, and God, how could you? I'm glad God's love for me is greater than my condemnation of myself. You may be here this morning and you may say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but if you knew what I was and who I was and what I did and I hear this regularly, you would understand why God wouldn't want someone like me. Can I tell you this morning, the reason we need to look at the love of God is because God makes plain that the worst condemnation your heart can bring, God's love is greater than that this morning. It'll strengthen you. So as I look in the Word of God, there's three types or manners of love that God has for us that he shows us that we can understand in our, in our finite uh, brains. He shows us, first of all, that we're born again. This is introduction. I'll, I'll deal with these a little bit more in depth in just a second. But we're, he says that we're born again in John chapter 3, verse number 3. He looked at Nicodemus and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the Lord likens our love to that of a baby that is birthed. He likens his love for us as a parent that's just had a newborn baby. I remember, the, I remember when our, our first son was born. And just the overwhelming love that immediately comes from that birth. And then I didn't think it would get any better. But then our second child was our daughter, Hannah, who's 18. And when she was born, it, was, it even swelled high, even greater when I held her in my arms for the first time. And looked in that precious little face. And God says to us that that love, uh, we are born again. And there's a, a love and there's a manner and a type because he views us as babes. 
The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And in Ephesians 1, 15, he said, Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So the Lord says, if you want to understand, if you want to gaze, if you want to behold my love, you've got to understand you've been born again. There's a birth. You've got to understand that you're adopted. And then in Romans 7, 4, and we could use, many verses he said wherefore my brethren ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God and so God says you have been born God says you've been adopted and God says you've been married now I want to look quickly and briefly at those and see some things. First of all, I want you to notice in here that in the first one I see a life principle. If you're taking notes, I see a life principle. And what I mean by that, there is a delivery in our life by birth. Do you realize, I think I know a little something. I, I've not had any kids. My wife has had nine. But I've been there with all of them and, and held her hand through every bit of it or whatever she needed me to do. And I can tell you that in the delivery of children, uh, that there is pain and labor and suffering and, and, and agony. Uh, she's not had one child that those things were not involved. And may I say that the birth of, of a Christian, when you and I get saved and become born again, I want to remind you that there was some labor. There was some suffering. You say, preacher, I got saved real easy. Yes, but Jesus Christ bore that suffering. He died on the cross for our sin. He bore the crown of thorns. He bore the beating of those soldiers. He bore the, the God turning his back and shutting the lights off on earth for three hours. How, why he became sin. He who knew no sin. He just didn't bear the sin. He became sin. Every dark, wicked, ungodly deed that's ever been done. Jesus Christ became that on the cross of Calvary. Why did he do that? So you and I could be born again. So you and I could be saved. So you and I could be on our way to heaven. I'm telling you there's a life principle. There's a delivery that occurs by birth. And if you're here lost this morning, you need to understand you can't get saved by just being religious or just by being baptized or deciding to be good or, or by doing better. There has to be a new birth there has to be you have to accept Jesus Christ had to suffer for you to be saved aren't you glad he did that for you this morning and for those that are saved can I tell you that if we would get back to looking at the cross I'm afraid we've heard it so much it's been preached so much we sing about it so much we don't let we don't let it affect it it's like what used to Jesus died for you and I he suffered he bore the pain he bore the agony so that you and I could be born he was willing to go through what he went through Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 uh, the Bible said that for we have uh, sorry I'm, I'm getting my verses mixed up Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy that was set before him? It wasn't the cross. The Bible said he endured that. It wasn't the fact that he had been beaten and hung on a cross naked. The Bible said he despised the shame. What was the joy that was set before him? It was Brother Harris. 
It was Brother Heath. It was Pastor. It was Brother Brian Treadway. It was you. The joy of the cross wasn't what he went through. He endured that and despised that. The joy of the cross was he knew by going through the birth, every mother in here that's ever birthed the baby, hey, listen, you endured the pain. And the Bible even says that that travail, but when that baby is born, that baby becomes worth it. And you look at that child and all that went through is is just beyond. And can I say to you and I today that, listen, there's a life principle that we've had a delivery by birth and Christ suffered. And what's amazing to me, Acts 20 and verse 30, Jesus is quoted there in Acts 20 and here's what it says it's more blessed to give than to receive and if you got a Bible with the, the words of Christ in red that will be in red because it's a direct quote by Paul of something Jesus said would you let that sink in a minute if I said to you who got the better deal of Calvary Jesus or us You'd say, we did. But Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, I'm more blessed by getting to die on a cross and what I did for you than you're blessed by getting what I did for you. That's beyond my comprehension. That's a love I can't get a hold of. That's a love that I don't understand. I'm just thankful it's real. And I'm thankful I've experienced it. And I'm thankful you can experience. And I'm saying that's what sinners need. And I'm saying if we'll understand this life principle that there's a delivery by birth. Hey, listen, it will help us. This and that birth is a result of that pain and labor and suffering. But then secondly, may I say there is a law principle. Not only is there a life principle, but there's a law principle. And that life principle is a delivery by birth. But that law principle, which is adoption, is a dedication to a burden. You realize in an adoption, there is no suffering or pain on the parent to, to have that child. But someone has to have a desire and a burden. Someone has to have a want and a willingness to say, no, I ain't got to suffer in delivery. I don't have to birth that child, but there's a desire. I see that child. I see that person. They, they don't have no one in their life. There is a desire and there's a dedication to a burden to say, hey, they need help and I'm going to bring them in my life. Is that not what Jesus did for you and I? Jesus said, I don't just love you by being uh, by, by that life principle and birthing you. He said, I want you to understand, and these are terms we can grab a hold of, that I love you because you have been adopted. Hey, listen, that, listen, that girl, I, I read a story, and I've, I've heard it several times. In fact, even in our Christian school, we had uh, uh, two boys for a while in our Christian school years back that came to our school that were adopted, and, and one of the kids made fun of them and and I'd read a story years ago and I remember looking at them boys and I said I I told uh, I just lost his name but I told the older one I said listen to me next time how that you're made fun of for being adopted you just remind that kid that their parent didn't have a choice their parent didn't get to choose you may not have been birthed which means your parent chose you they wanted you they could have had any other child of the adoption agency that they wanted they chose you you want to know what God's saying to us hey listen mom and daddy I've got nine kids we didn't get to choose any of them by birth but listen we've got 
one that we, uh, not legally, but we consider adopted. And I'm just saying we chose to bring that child into our life and we chose to love that child. And God is just saying, I don't just love you because I have to. I love you because I've chosen to. I love you because I want to. Aren't you glad this morning that God loves us? You say, but preacher, I'm a snotty nose nobody. He still loves you. You say, preacher, I've failed him miserably. He still loves you. Not only does he love us, he said, I want you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to adopt you. Adoption means I have a choice, and I still choose you. That may not do anything for you, but I look at my life and I say, God, why would you use me? Why do you want me? I would have thrown me away a long time ago. But I'm glad God says take a good look at his love. He said there is a life principle. That's a delivery by birth. There's a law principle. Uh, that is a dedication to a burden and adoption. But then may I say this morning that thirdly I see a love principle. And that's a desire for a bride. He says that we're married. In other words, he wants us in a personal way. I'm sure before you were married, men, ladies, you found many people attractive or many people you thought, well, I wouldn't mind being married to them, being married to them. But there come a point that you found that one. And you said, I'm willing to forego everyone else. And I want to know them in a way that I'm not going to know anybody else for the rest of my life. God said that's the kind of love he has for us. See, God may have loved the world, but God brings it real personal and says, I love you. And I want to know you, and I want to be in a relationship with you in a way that is so personal, it's you and me and nobody else. There's an old song sung years and years ago, He loves me like I was his only child. Can I tell you, that's the way I feel many times with my God, is that he loves me like I'm his only child. That love, that life principle shows me a delivery uh, by birth. That law principle shows me a dedication to a burden that he has. That love principle shows me a desire for a bride. And if I may say it this way, in our birth, he puts us in the family. And there's a removal. He removes some things. He, he takes away some things. That's why he calls it a new birth may listen when you get saved when you got saved your guilt was gone amen hey listen the chains of sin is gone the bonds of sin is gone the condemnation of going to hell is gone when you get birth thank God he removes some things Isaiah 118 said come now and let us reason together saith the Lord though your sins be as scarlet and he said that to save people to Israel they shall be as white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool can I see God said I see your sins as red but in Revelation 1 5 the Bible said unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood God's the only one that could do this God takes the red sinner and surrounds him with the red blood of Jesus Christ and something amazing happens it's the only color in the world that will do it this way but if you look through red on the red you want to know what you get you get white God 
God took the red blood of Christ and put looked through the red sin of sinners. But when he sees us, thank God, because of the blood, he no longer sees our sin. He no longer sees the condemnation. Thank God he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why he said it is as white as wool. When God looks at you and I through Jesus Christ, we are white and clean. When the devil in the flesh condemns us, thank God the power of Christ says, you are righteous in my eyes. That doesn't cause me to want to go out and sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible said the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It causes me to want to fall on my face and say, God, I've failed you miserably. But aren't you glad this morning that God so loved us that he takes a red sinner and puts the red blood of Christ and he sees a white, righteous, pure saint out of it. That's what we are to him today. Amen. May I say, in our birth, there is a removal that takes place. He removes some things from us. If you're saved this morning, you are no longer under the bondage of Satan ever again. I see these bumper stickers and shirts, the devil made me do it. If you're saved, he can't make you do a thing. I remind you, a type of salvation in the Old Testament is when God delivers Israel out of Egypt from the bondage of Pharaoh. And God makes plain multiple times that when Israel crosses that Red Sea and God gets them over there by night and about morning time, Israel, I mean, Pharaoh and all his army, the Bible said every soldier, Pharaoh, horse, chariot, every one of them, the Bible's clear, die in that Red Sea. If one Egyptian soldier would have made it across... There would have still been power over Israel. God said all of that died. And can I tell you, when you got saved, all of Satan's power over you was killed at Calvary. If you're not living for God the way you're supposed to, it's because you don't want to, not because you can't. If you sin, it's not because you have to, it's because you've chosen to. God delivered us from the bondage and condemnation of sin. Now, we still got this flesh, this fleshly nature, but if I walk in the Spirit and I die to my flesh, I'm just saying today, thank God, this birth removes some things from our life. If you're here today and you're guilty and you're under the condemnation of sin and you're not sure you're going to heaven, I got good news for you. God says if you will be born again, His love will take all that away. In our birth but in our in his burden that adoption the illustration is not so much about what he removes like in our birth but in his burden there's a receiving we receive some things you know when you're adopted before you're adopted you have no inheritance you have no family you have really nobody, just what you can depend upon. But because we have been adopted, there is a removal in that birth. But in that burden of adoption, there is a receiving. We've received an inheritance. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ this morning. When you're adopted, do you understand that if you're adopted, you can't be adopted as a different type of relative? You can't be adopted as a in-law you can't be adopted as a distant relative you can only be adopted as a son or daughter God has no stepchildren this morning God has no second-class citizens this morning if you're saved you are one of his amen 
We receive some things. That doesn't cause me to want to do wrong. Again, that causes me to want to drop on my face and say, God, I'm not worthy of what you do for me. And God says, I know, but I'm doing it anyway. Just look what we've got. I said yesterday, this virus has hurt a lot of good churches and families and many people have died and suffered. And, but at the same time, because I belong to Christ and I believe it's real and I'm careful, I don't have to fear if it grabs a hold of me because I've received eternal life. I know where I'm now. I'm not looking to go today. If he gives me the choice, I'm going to hang around for a little while. Amen. But I'm not scared to go. Because my inheritance gives me some things. And in, in that birth, there's a removal. In, our, in that burden of adoption, there's a receiving. But then in us being his bride, in that marriage, there's a relationship. He desires and wants us. I was talking to a young lady at the airport. She was shining shoes, shining my shoes. And I got to witnessing to her. And tears running down her face. And I've heard this so many times. She said, God don't want somebody like me. She said, preacher, I got married out of wedlock. Or not married, pregnant out of wedlock. She said, I, I've messed my life up. My mom and dad are influential. They don't want a thing to do with me. They've kicked me out. She said, I'm trying to make it with my little girl. She said, the guy that I messed up with, he don't want nothing to do with me. She said, I'm an outcast. She said, I've, I, I've got issues. And, and I was so glad I could look at her and say, can I tell you something? Your earthly daddy may not want a thing to do with you. But there's a heavenly father that's just waiting for you to come home. I was able to lead that woman to Christ and the tears that ran down her face. And she says, I have a daddy that wants me now. Can I tell you today, you may feel like no one else cares and no one else is interested in you. I want to tell you today, God desires you. And if you're saved this morning and you've gone through hardship or struggle, and I'm going to deal with that a little bit tonight, you may be sitting here and the devil in the flesh is saying, God doesn't care. Look at what you've been through. Look at this. Look at that. I want to remind you. He birthed you. He had the burden to adopt you. And he has, he has married you. You become his bride. He is very interested in every problem and struggle that you have. In our birth, he puts us in. In our adoption, he promises we're never going to be put out. You realize the law says to this day that when you adopt someone, you cannot disinherit them. you got to leave them something. If you ever trust Jesus Christ, i got news for you. You're never being put out. Well, preacher, if I believe that once saved, always saved, and I just get saved... And live any old way I want to live. I'm just going to tell you the opposite's going to occur. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and you ever get a hold of the fact that he birthed you and he had a burden for you and that you're his bride, it don't cause you to want to run away from him. It causes you to want to come to him. My security is in the fact, regardless of who or what I am, he's never going to disinherit me. Amen? And then in our marriage... He provides for our every need, and he gets personal. I want to ask you this morning, have you took a good look at God's love? When's the last time God's love, not judgment 
and we know God's judgment's real, not wrath, not anger. When's the last time God's love drove you closer to him? When's the last time the goodness, the love of God and what he's done for you drove you to repentance? See, I'm here to tell you this morning, if we could ever get children of God motivated, Paul said this, the love of Christ constraineth me. Thank God for a preacher that will preach on sin, preach the truth, tell you what you need to do, don't do. That's his job. That's why he's the shepherd. God called him to do that. But you know what his desire is and God's desire is? It's for before he ever has to deal with it, for your love for God to say, I shouldn't be doing that. Lord, you did all this for me. I think I'm just going to step away. It's the love of God that ought to constrain. I don't know of a greater message to challenge you in soul winning than the fact that God, look what God went through for us. How many times did God come to you before you got saved? Most of us probably not the first time. God come to me again and again and again, and he never gave up. And can I tell you, since I've been saved, you know what he should have done? He should have dropped me on my head and let me go to hell. But he promised he'd never do that because he loves me. If you're here saved, when's the last time you took a good look? Would you just behold the love of God in your life this morning? I know I didn't say anything new. But I'm here to challenge you that if you could ever drive your Christian life based upon how much God loves you, you'll never be a subpar Christian again. You ever have someone do something extremely, extremely, extremely nice for you? I mean, above and beyond what they should have. And then maybe a few days later, a week later, they do say, do or say something that aggravates or makes you mad. What are you more apt to do? Well, you know what, I don't like that, but they did that for me, so I'm just going to give them a pass. Parents, you ever have a kid just go above and beyond? Brother Harris had the microphone there in the fellowship hall yesterday, and I'm closing, I'm, I'm done. He's walking around messing with people, and he sat down beside the pastor's daughter and asked her who her favorite teacher was. She endeared herself to my heart because I was hoping she wasn't going to say Brother Harris just to mess with him, and she didn't. She did say his wife. Good, good answer. And um, she went through several teachers, but she never said her Bible teacher. Well, he no sooner gets up and walks away than, was it, who was it? It was Bella. Bella, one of the twins, comes running over to her and says, Is my daddy your teacher? Miley said, yes. Why didn't you say my daddy? <laughs> Nate's heart probably wanted to burst out. My heart wanted to burst for him because, I mean, just he, she was protecting her daddy. Now, I think he did something special for her. Smart daddy. But if today she does something maybe questionable, maybe not on the verge of needing discipline, you're wavering back and forth, you know what Brother Nate's probably going to think? You know what? She did so good yesterday. I think I'm just going to give her a pass today. 
Now, if that's our human tendency, I said all that to say this. Look what God did for you. He birthed you. He had a burden to adopt you. You're his bride. Maybe God's doing some things in your life you don't understand. Maybe things ain't going well. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe the devil in the flesh is saying, get bitter and angry. And I'm going to deal with some of that tonight. Please come tonight. I, I've, not that I'm anything, but I believe God's given me a message to help you. And I don't come to a church just to be here. I want to help you. If I can't leave helping you, then I've failed. But can I tell you what will help you get over every bit of those feelings? Just take a good look at what God did for us. For as great as what Bella did for her daddy, Jesus Christ did a whole lot better. For as great a deed or as gift as anyone could give you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When's the last time, Christian, you let the love of God drive you to an altar to say, God, I've been a sorry Christian. My prayer life, my Bible, my church attendance, my giving, I don't know, soul winning, but God, this morning, I'm going to fix it. Not because I've been beat with your judgment, but because, Lord, you love me so much, how sorry am I not to return that way? And then if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to understand you're a sinner. You're not a sinner because of what you do. You're a sinner because the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're sinners by birth because all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve brought sin into the mankind, and we're all related back to them. And because we're all sinners, and you know you sinned, I shouldn't have to belabor that point, because you're a sinner, God says the penalty of sin, the wages of sin, the deserving, the earning of sin is death. But I got good news for you, I've already preached it. Jesus Christ said, you know what, I love you so much, I'm willing to take that penalty of death and hell from you. And all you have to do is believe that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died for your sin and accept and ask forgiveness of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and he will save you today. That's his desire. He loves you enough. He says you don't have to worry about your eternal soul anymore. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.